You got to accentuate the positive. I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media. You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! Okay. Hello and welcome to another show Accentuating the Positive here with Karen Swain on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm so delighted to have a fascinating guest today on the show. Her name is Desda Zuckerman. She is an energy healer, interfaith minister, and she's the author of Your Sacred Anatomy. Hello, Desda. So great to have you on the show. Hi, Karen. I'm so thrilled to be here and so honoured that you've invited me to participate in this wonderful thing that you do. Oh, look, let me just tell you how I heard about Desda. So I had the wonderful Michael Margolis come and stay with me recently when he has been on his journey down under, spreading his light and his wisdom. And he was telling me about his spiritual journey and he was saying that his teacher and his mentor was Desda, and he was telling me all about Desda and how amazing she is. So I thought, ooh, I have to check her out. I have to rear her up and check her out and get her on the show. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to grill Desda and hear all about her fascinating journey because she's quite a gal. I tell you, she's been up to a lot. She's written this amazing book for energy practitioners to really find out about our energy anatomy, our sacred anatomy, the energy field, which we'll get into a bit further on in the show. But Desda, tell me, how did you get into the whole spiritual healing thing? Did, you know, was your childhood filled with extraordinary adventures? Yes, <laughs> it certainly was. <laughs> So I, I was uh, sensitive and awake and saw everything going on around people right. from the time that I was tiny. And so I didn't know that other people actually didn't see all this stuff yeah. and didn't talk to spirits standing behind other people and didn't interact with fairies and couldn't hear animals speaking you know, so I had these experiences and lived a kind of magical childhood. But uh, when I was 14 years old, I was riding in my parents' uh, Volkswagen bus. And um, we came around a corner on Good Friday. 
And I flew out of the car, flipped over and landed on my head. And the last thing I saw before I went unconscious was on the top, very top of a telephone pole, there was a big black raven surrounded in this beautiful lavender light with kind of a gold sparkle. And I saw him and I thought, isn't that nice? And I heard, it'll be all right. And then I hit the ground. Because I, you know, it's slow motion when you go through the air, when you're having something like that happen. So I hit the ground, I became unconscious. And then I woke up looking at my brother as he lifted me into the car. And my little brother, my little, you know, five years younger than me brother was trying to get me into the car. And he was surrounded with the most extraordinary color and bright, vivid, day glow, brilliant colors. I always like to say it was the beginning of the 60s for me. (laughs) I went from pastel and soft and subtle to brilliant, vibrant, and huge. Because what I had seen before is very common in most of the books. You definitely would read, you know, Barbara Brennan's books or Rosalind Boyer's books. The energy field, the aura Mm -hmm. is much smaller. It's very, you know, kind of close. It's only between four to maybe five, sometimes in a really big person, six feet or something. Mm -hmm. But what I was seeing around people was 20 feet out. Mm -hmm. Front, back, up, down, Mm -hmm. much, much larger than anything that um, I've seen in any books. Yeah, uh, yeah. Books. A couple of things that you said. I remember I had Barbara Brennan's book, Hands of Light, when I was a young girl. I was at some uh, New Age bookshop in the country and I remember queuing up to go and pay for it. And as I held this book, I had this insight into my future and it was like wow. I was just a curious young girl, like what's this all about? And I just had this insight, like this is going to be the beginning of the rest of your life, they were saying, but uh, and there was all sorts of exploration into who are we, what do we look like really when we're not looking through our five senses, you know, we're so much more than what our senses, you know, that energy field that you perceive that most of us don't. I once heard Oprah interviewed someone who was in a plane crash and he said as he was leaving and watching people burning in their seats, he was watching this energy lift off them and he was noticing the brightness of the energy. Some were brighter and some were dim. He didn't understand anything about it, but he knew in that moment as he was leaving that plane and he was watching these energy fields leaving these burning bodies that he wanted to be a bright light. And then that was the beginning of his journey into his spiritual practice and how he could shine brighter. Do you find when you see people and their lights that that's the case? Some are bigger and brighter than others? Well, yeah. It sort of has a little bit to do with spiritual maturity. And um, so, for example, when His Holiness the Dalai Lama is teaching, he fills the arena. I mean, he's huge. Mm -hmm. He's you know, many, many feet across, Mm -hmm. hundreds of feet across, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so he looks enormous and beautiful and bright and really brilliant, really strong. And his structure actually looks pretty organized. So it's not swirling in these wild, chaotic colors. It's it's organized. Looks like he has a rainbow body. So when I when I see that, um, and then I compare it to His Holiness the Dalai Lama at a, a fundraising breakfast, 
he'll look like that. <laughs> different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks different mm-hmm. because he's not in the field of the holy teachings. He is a very spiritually evolved and holy guy, but he's when he's teaching, there's something else that's happening. So when he's doing fundraising, his structure looks smaller, he's more contained. He still looks gorgeous, mm-hmm. but it's it's not the same kind of order. He has more personality. He might get irritated that somebody gave him orange juice instead of grapefruit juice. You know, so there's there's all of that. You know, there's the personality that gets in there and mucks about. But frankly, there are beings on this planet who are highly evolved and very clear and very beautiful. But if you just walk into an auditorium, if you just walk into a big room and you look around or bar, let's say you walk in and you see a bunch of people, almost everybody is somewhere between 15 and 20 feet out. And almost everybody has a lot of information in their subtle anatomy that we can, we've learned how, and I'm continually mapping and looking at what to do with it. I've also created a healing modality called core individuation that's based in the working of the subtle anatomy and how we can actually get in there and shift life patterns mm-hmm. without getting all psychological mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. without re-traumatizing people, mm-hmm, shifting mm-hmm. the energy of the anatomy. Mm-hmm. So it's very powerful work. And it seems like this is the time of the great awakening. So this is the time, this is the time for core individuation and the sacred anatomy to make their debut at this level. Look, absolutely. I dream of a day where medicine or healing is rooted in what we're talking about instead of instead of focusing on the problem because as you know you know when you do focus on the problem you expand it you know when the doctor gives you a diagnosis the pain gets worse and then you've got something to talk about then you can go out there and tell all your friends how sick you are and then you know that expands it expands the consciousness of that problem disease energy field the more you focus on it the bigger it gets and so I think that healing's got it all wrong (laughs) we need to find a different way but anyway that's something I'm passionate about (laughs) I have the same passion what I would like to say about that idea is it's my experience if I sit with someone and I don't believe in their disease Mm -hmm. I actually believe in their divinity Mm -hmm. in the power of their own true light And I look at that and I can hold that for them and mirror that for them. And just for a moment, they can have the possibility done for them that they are not the disease, that they are in fact that light. That's the moment of shift. And that's the potential is huge because, I mean, basically time stretches. And so there you are in the moment of shift and you can kind of get that moment of shift opened up. And you can experience with that person what it feels like to be whole again. So, you know, we have to be very careful about a couple of things. One, how we look at life is is critical. But two, how we look at the difficulties. I think what you said is, is true. We need to look at our difficulties as something we're passing through. (laughs) not something that's causing who we are to be how we are yeah I was with a girlfriend last weekend and she was saying I'm just passing through diabetes I'm just passing through depression but 
She was saying it, but she did not believe it. And that, and therein lies the difference. So she is a diabetic. She's inject incredible sound oracle like you've never heard on you. But she's injecting insulin because she is diabetic. She's obesely overweight. So she's got a lot of physical problems and she still goes to the doctor. So she's still rooted in third dimensional paradigm and yet brings through higher dimensional frequency. It's a really interesting juxtaposition to watch her balance these two amazing realities in her life. It's really interesting, just passing through, but she doesn't believe it. So those thought forms, like when you were talking about it reminded me of Jesus, Yeshua, the Christ. I once heard when I was a young girl on my energy healing journey, that someone said that he never saw anyone in their illness. You could be dripping your illness in front of him. You could be a leper with limbs falling off you. And all he saw was your perfection. All he saw was your soul, your divinity. And his gaze was so potent that would inspire miraculous healings. And I remember hearing that about 20 years ago going, oh, my God, <laughs> that's who I want to be. It's true. <laughs> I want to be just like that. <laughs> well, you can be. You can be just like that. That's a journey. Anyway, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> oh, no, you can. Even if it's just for five seconds. If you can find that five seconds in your heart, mind, body, spirit and get it all there at the same point, looking at another person's divinity, you're in the space of healing and miracles. Absolutely. It's true. I want to get back into your journey, but we're on this trajectory. What would you say to people? Because what happens is they so believe in their physical reality that they can hit those sacred places, those that view, that broader perspective of who they really are. And then they fall back down to earth and they believe you know, the symptoms that their body is communicating to them, the pain, the illness. Yeah. I think it's really important as a healer to be really grounded physically. And I think that a lot of people who do healing work are not. I think they spend a lot of time out of their bodies and floating around. And I have a whole, like in the trainings that I do with people, there's a whole series of exercises that help the spirit enter the physical body. I think 90% of the illness we have on this planet today is because spirits are not in the bodies. And these are temples. These are holy temples. These are sacred holy temples that have the possibility for amazing transformative work and healing. And uh, so it's, it's important to, when you're working with somebody who's in terrible pain and they're struggling, to, to treat the body with the respect that it's due and not have it be the schism where, you know, get out of your body to get out of your pain. It's actually go into your pain and get into your body. So there's a, a big difference between um, cutting the pain out and taking it away and allowing the pain to open up and become sort of the message that it needs to give, Absolutely. whatever that is, the words of the pain, the voice yeah. of the pain, mm -hmm. and allowing that to happen so that people can instinctively and intuitively learn that they really don't need to be in that place anymore. They can shift, they can move, but it isn't until you really own a thing mm -hmm. that you can let it go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, she's got to own her diabetes, you know, big time. She's got to own it. Look, I believe all pain is a indication of resistance to the source. 
And I was watching uh, when we first connected a few weeks ago, I was watching a couple of your videos and something that you said was really interesting. You were talking about how people don't call their source in. You know, I think you were in a group of people and you were asking them to call it in. Right. That's what, that's what I, I, an exercise I have called returning presence. So your presence, your essence, or your spirit could be, the, they're the same thing. So when someone is truly present with you, you're feeling their spirit. Mm. You're in the flow of that unfolding of their own, that special essence that is them, that is their spiritual knowingness, their reality, the thing that's anchored. But energetically, it's kind of a different story because what it is is this golden ball that kind of floats around in people's structures. And it's sort of up here. I know you can't see, it's like up here. <laughs> And it kind, of, it kind of floats around to the left and to the right. And sometimes it'll come down and be right in front of people's faces. But it's this golden orange ball. And for years, I knew what the heck it was. I'd look at it and I'd go, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? And then I saw this guy, this man named Yu Yushiba, who was the um, founder of Aikido. He created this incredible art form. You know, Aikido is an amazing energy work. And I saw him in this movie and his golden ball was in his pelvis. And I thought, oh, oh, that's what it is. And then I went and watched people do Aikido who were really, really good. I got to see the son of Yushiba work out and his golden ball was in his pelvis. So I thought, aha, this is good. This is where we want the golden ball. So then I tried to figure out how to get it in there. And I would drag the darn thing in and try to get it right out, you know, get it in there, you go, out it would go. Then I try to do it on other people, out it would go. I finally realized that it had to be invited. And that without the invitation, the subtle anatomy will not start a relationship with you. It will be an academic exercise. It will be sort of a spiritual exercise that's happening somewhere else. But when you invite the interaction of the subtle anatomy, which is the manifestation of your soul, come on, mm -hmm. <laughs> we invite that to take residence in the physicality, all of a sudden the physical body starts to move. I think I started to say earlier, I think 90% of illness is the lack of embodiment. And what I mean by that is a lack of spiritual embodiment. So the spirit has an embodied, maybe their physical body is here, but their spirit isn't inhabiting it yet. So it's, it's a glitch, you know? <laughs> we got to fix the glitch. Well, I hang out with all these amazing healers and spiritual people, teachers and difference makers, disruptors, change agents, whatever you want to call them. Disruptors, I like that. Disruptors. And, you know, they have called it in. You know, they're summoning. They're summoning source. They're summoning through their meditation. They're asking for enlightenment. You know, people seeking their source, seeking the source, seeking that enlightenment, the enlightenment of their mind, of their body. But here's the thing with this. When you ask it, it comes. But any resistance you hold to the light shows up very profoundly. And so pain in your body becomes much stronger. Your negative thoughts become a lot more damaging. Your negative emotions become louder. This is what happened to me. So I'm a massage person in my early 20s. I was massaging a Hollywood movie star that was out here making a bad B-grade movie. So 
I was seeing a guru that she had on a, in a picture on, on her counter as I was massaging her. I was massaging her in her hotel room. And I was asking myself, my source, my guides, you know, what's this whole Indian guru thing all about? There are so many people that go to the Indian guru. What, what is this all about? That was the question I was asking as I was massaging. I don't understand why all these people have these Indian gurus and they bow to the guru. So my head started to expand like it was visceral. It felt like literally like my head was expanding and I started channeling and I started telling her why she was in pain and all this stuff and my little ego was saying, I don't know any of this stuff. Like what the hell am I saying? But anyway, long story short, I left and I had the most intense headache that I'd ever had for about three days after that because I summoned it. I called it in. And I had a lot of insecurities. I was very self-critical and all those little ideas about myself, those limiting ideas about myself were not a match to the energy I was summoning. And it, it showed up as this throbbing headache, you know, and I realized until I started to work on myself and I allowed myself to be more of a vessel that could hold the light, you know, more of a, a loving vessel, I had to love myself that light hurt, you know, it didn't hurt in the moment that I was channeling, but after I stopped and came back into my ego mind, I was in physical pain. What I'd like to say is that these are two different things. Okay. So, so your own spirit, your own spirit is different than opening up to like a greater mind of the divine source that is speaking through you and you're channeling and you're doing some kind of holy ministry and then you stop doing it and it goes, you know. What I'm talking about is something quite different. And in fact, what I'm talking about is something that when it's present in your body, you can channel anything. Mm -hmm. So the spirit, I call it the spirit or the essence or the presence When you bring this in and anchor it in the physicality, then your ability to open to source and sort of, you know, look at the the big dial and say like, okay, today I'm going to talk to Jesus or tomorrow I'm going to talk to, you know, this guy. You You can actually set the dial and be open and receive. When mm. I was younger, in my teens, I was a medium. I was a trans medium. Mm. And I did trans medium work until I was probably, I think I was probably in my early 30s when I stopped. Mm-hmm. But the reason I stopped was because, well, for one thing, I was just gone all the time. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of that. But the, the other thing is I wanted my experience to be very embodied and grounded in this reality. And I felt that I needed to stop doing that. So I asked for my, my abilities to be shifted to healing abilities and uh, teaching abilities. And so it took, it took me about 10 years, but I made the transition to doing this other work. And so I have some sense of like what your experience is of like opening and receiving a profound insight from the divine. But it's not quite the same as your own spirit your own spirit isn't necessarily that individuated spirit, the small S soul, which is different from the big giant S soul, (laughs) which is great. We love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there are so many places we could go there. 
it's, it's fun, right? But, you know, I want to come back to your story because I think it's really fascinating. So you said that you, in your early 20s you were working as a medium. Yeah, I worked as a medium from my teens into my, late, into my early 30s. And then you became a singer. Well, no, I was a singer at that same time. Oh, so, okay. Because um, I was in the United States, of course. So in the United States, as a singer, you can't make a living. And as a psychic, you couldn't make a living either. So if I did both of those things, <laughs> I almost made a living. <laughs> By the rent. <laughs> I almost did, you know, almost. <laughs> I, I met a guy uh, in uh, 1973 who became my husband in 1975. And he was a great musician, a great guitar player, and a singer, and a songwriter. And so we just, you know, started working together. And it was, it was a lot of fun. We liked it. But it was also one of the ways that I learned how to work with energy. Yeah. Because I had no teachers, really, to speak of. I took yeah. a couple of classes here and there from, from two people. And, uh, but there was nobody when I was coming up. There was no Barbara Brennan. There was no... Uh, Rosenboye and I are like the same age, you know, we, we, we were, we were both studied by Thelma Moss at the same time. <laughs> you know? so, so she was off doing her thing. I didn't know anything about it. And really in about 1973, I sort of stopped reading other people's work and I stayed very honed in and dialed in on the sacred anatomy and what I was going to do with it. I didn't follow other people's insights I wanted to just have it be more pure. You know, it's something that you said here I find really important because this is something I'm passionate about too. The healer, that's the healer when they're healing and then they go off into their life and their life is a bit of a wreck when they're not healing. Mm -hmm. I guess I, I went on radio as a healer because I wanted to show how using your psychic intuitive abilities works in everyday life. So when you're interviewing people, for instance, like I was saying to you before, you know, I use that ability to tune into people to know who they are as someone who interviews them. And that's a great way of being a medium or a psychic. You can use in a really practical sense. It's not just when you're on stage teaching or when you're in the healing room, but it's to embody that ability, that divinity that sacred ability in everything you do and to come across as being really normal like a normal person you're not my first experience of a channel was when I was in my very early 20s I went along to see this woman and she put on the persona you know she started her voice changed and she became this different personality and she was some alien or I don't know what (laughs) and she it was really scary for a young girl and my my bs meter was off the chart because I was so distracted by the theater of what was happening that I couldn't hear the message it wasn't that the message was not profound and and needed to Mm -hmm. be said to me but I couldn't hear it because of the theater and all I could ask when she came back into her body was, where were you? And, right. uh, and why did you leave? And, and where did you go? And what were you doing when you left? I mean, they were the questions I was asking her. And so questions. I, I think I decided at that time that, like you were saying, I wanted to be an embodied channel. You know, I wanted to channel. Yeah. I wanted to be here at the same time. I wanted yeah. to be present while it was happening and instead of leave the body and yeah. You know, I do have a lot of friends that trans channel and they do amazing work. Yeah, but to have that embodiment spirit with you in every decision you make and in everything you do, not just in the healing room or on the stage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Well, when I was singing, 
I had all kinds of situations where yeah. I would try out stuff that I was just learning. Like exactly, I, I began to learn how to bring in light. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that started in the early seventies, bringing in light. And uh, so when I would do that, you know, I would look at well, how does it change people? You know, if I have an unruly crowd and I bring in the white light of cleansing, does that change them? If I bring in golden light, does that change them? Is the rose red light of love changing them? And so I would, I worked with the rainbow lights a lot, I, which I learned from Dr. Gail Pierce, who was really my only teacher. And uh, I had two classes with Dr. Gail, and um, it was so empowering that I went forward and, and really developed a lot based on just the one little thing that she taught me, bringing in the rainbow lights, um, which she learned to do in Tibet when wow. she was in her in her youth, in the late 30s and early 40s, she walked through Tibet, met His Holiness when he was just a little guy, and um, was uh, always called mother by him throughout his life, or her life. She died in the early 90s. Yeah, she was a very powerful and amazing woman who was kind of way ahead of her time, you know doing amazing things. But Dr. Gale was the one who taught me to bring in the rainbow lights. So there I was in a rock and roll band during the 70s playing disco, right? Yeah. And we had all kinds of crazy drunken people. Yeah. And, and other stuff, you know. And so there they were. And, and I was a sensitive. So I never did any of those things. I didn't drink. I didn't, you know, do any drugs. I was just, I was this little like fairy on the stage and there were these rough and tumble trolls in the audience. So how was I going to work with that? So I would bring in the light and I, would, and I would use it to calm the room down. One time we had a bicycle, a bicycle, a biker gang, yeah. <laughs> not bicycle, Hells Angels, excuse me. <laughs> no bicycle. bicycle. So it was not the bicycle club. <laughs> it was a biker gang. <laughs> and they came, came to the bar. Everybody just kind of left, and we heard this, like, rumbling, uh, like, it sounded like a jet plane landing, and in came about 40 or 50 guys with chains and, you know, smoking and just black, dark, gunky energy. They were like killers, you know, they <laughs> came in, <laughs> they were tough, and uh, the women were just as tough, they were just all really tough. And so I thought, oh, my God, um, we're going to either get fired or killed, one or the other. And so I just started bringing in the light. I just started bringing in the, the white light of cleansing. And I filled that place. I brought in huge balls of light. I just kept bringing it. They were so polite. They tipped the waitress, who was terrified. They tipped <laughs> the bartender, who was back there with a baseball bat, you know. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they were so nice. They danced to the music. with The men and women were dancing. They requested songs and put money in the tip jar. They were, like, ideal. They were so good. And they left, and everybody went, what happened? You know. Fabulous. It was not, not a month before they had come into the same bar and broken it all up with baseball bats and stuff. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they just liked us, but I don't think so. Well, it, it just, it, it makes me think you brought out the best in them. You know, we all have the worst parts of us and the best parts of us. Yeah, and, and, everybody's and, got that. Yeah, and, and isn't it nice to be around people that bring out the best in you? You know, like that's what you were doing. You were allowing them to 
love themselves and love others, like bring out the best in them. (laughs) Yeah, it's really important. I think this work is really important. You know, I was a couple of years ago, I was down in Melbourne. There was a guy that came out that was teaching an energy healing thing that I hadn't done energy healing courses for a long time, for 15 years, because I hadn't seen any around that I thought I needed to look at. And this one, I read the book and I thought was interesting. I wanted to have a look at it. And a lot of the people I spoke to that were doing the course had no intention to practice it in any way, shape or form. And I, I asked the question, why? And, you know, the answer came that just holding the energy was enough to expand the consciousness right? so that other people could come to the party, I suppose, you know, get right. in the groove, get in the flow. And right. one, there's a guru here in Australia who's quite well known and she used to be a barrister. And, you know, that story reminds me of her. She used to do all this energy work when she was in court. <laughs> I know. I've done that too. Yeah. I've done that too. I've influenced the verdict of you know, things, you know. I try not to work without permission anymore because what I've come to is, and that was me when I was in my 20s, just learning. But now I always ask permission and I don't bring in even, I don't even pray for people without asking permission because what I do is so strong, so powerful that it's extremely important that you have the person's buy-in. They have to say yes. So, and that's also kind of where we're at in this, in the cultural meme today. And we've really come to a place where it's time to be very conscious about what we do. Yeah. And, and we've done enough of the kind of playing with and experimenting and having fun with where we really do have like really profound and gifted healers who are, who are coming forward to offer clear concepts, ideas, beliefs, attitudes, and transformational moments so that it's possible for people to experience this, but also embrace it and bring it into their, you know, eat it, take it into their bodies, their life, and their experience. I mean, this is the time, like I said before, the Great Awakening, and it's really important that we live from this perspective, you know, that we, we, like we know it, we better live it. Yeah. (laughs) No screwing around here. Exactly. So one of the things that that I've really considered to be sort of the most um, powerful things that's happened to me is that when I was um, in my 30s, right after I asked for my energy to be shifted towards healing energy, I got sick. Yeah. And uh, so it was a very interesting period. So I got sick and uh, my liver swelled up to about three times its normal size. You know, I had all kinds of problems physically, all this stuff was happening. At the same time, I had a little girl. She was six years old and a real cuddle bunny. But with a swollen liver like that, you can barely even touch fingers, much less hold somebody. So I was just heartbroken. And, you know, this is my only child and I'm a young mom. And I really, really wanted to hold her, but I couldn't. So one day I just expanded my awareness to include my energy structure. And I pushed through the wall and stroked the back of her head. And at that moment, she jumped up and said, Mommy, did you touch me? I came running in. How did you touch me, Mommy? What did you do? What did you do? And I told her what I had done, that I'd placed my awareness at the edge of my structure and that I'd pushed through the wall and that I had touched her. And she's, then she was like, oh, boy, now I'm going to the backyard. Can you touch me in the, in the backyard? If I'm in the grass, will it matter? So she went running to the backyard, screaming, I'm here, I'm here, touch me, mommy. And I put my hand through the wall, through the house, touched her, 
Sure enough, she could feel it. We ran all over the house. She went under her dad's desk. I could touch her there. In the bathroom while she had to pee, I could touch her there. <laughs> Just everywhere, I could touch her head. Anywhere. And the truth of the matter was, that was one of the biggest, biggest discoveries of my entire life. Because what I discovered was the way to work with energy. How mm. to work with energy. Safely, effectively, efficiently, using your subtle anatomy. And so- I... Would not have discovered that if I hadn't been mm-hmm. sick and wanting desperately to touch my daughter. Yeah. It took that for me to learn. And then I immediately started to get better at that point. There so it was go. like this big learning and I got it, you know? So then it took me about 10 years to try to figure out how to even talk about this. How yeah. do you talk about the unseen, the unknowable? Yeah. How do you do it? You know? So it is living our lives that teaches us. Oh, absolutely. The mundane, you know, that's where we get it. Absolutely. And the trauma, you know, that's the accelerated growth, isn't it? I I remember as a young naturopathic student, something that was said, you know, when you cut the nail, you traumatize it. And when you traumatize the nail, it grows faster. And I just sat there and thought, an analogy for life. (laughs) Yeah, that's really true. You know, when you traumatize it, you grow faster. It's not that you're not growing, but the trauma just gets you, you know, faster I, I would say that spirit was teaching you all this and then they just ramped it up well let's just take her liver out for a while and get her on the <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's been like that my whole life you know all of my physical body experiences have always been teachings you know absolutely it's really powerful absolutely. really amazing but I did go through childbirth with no pain at all did you wow yeah, because I just brought in the light she was born into complete light. You know, that was so great. How, how old is your daughter now? She's 37. And is she doing your work? Is she teaching? Is she using your work? No. No? What, what's she doing? She's a dancer. She did hip-hop dance for a while, and, uh, but she's really into her dance. And uh, she's just recently gotten married. So what she's primarily doing now is being married. Yeah. Yeah. She's in love and she really wants to have a baby. So she's sort of in that soup. Yeah. Like, it yeah. Be much longer. In that soup. I remember it well, swimming around in that soup and it was That's thick. Soup. It was thick soup. <laughs> it was very thick soup. It's kind of more like stew. <laughs> <laughs> now, life, life is more like broth these days. Yeah, it's gotten a little thin. You know, what a lot of people want, you know, they want you to take bone broth. Everybody's prescribing bone broth. There's there's actually bone broth restaurants where you can go and, like, drink bone broth. I mean, what the heck? So everybody's into this bone broth thing. It's so funny. <laughs> Trends, especially where I live in Marin County, California, which is like the capital of woo-woo, you know? Yeah, Everything fabulous. weird and crazy is in here in Marin. At either, you're either playing a synthesizer and a guitar or you're, you're doing readings. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say to people that are doing your work, how they can use their knowledge of the sacred anatomy in their daily life? Like, for instance, this is why I asked you about your daughter. Does she use it with her dancing, with her family? Is she listening to mom or is she on her own path? But maybe we shouldn't talk about your daughter. Maybe we should talk about your students. <laughs> 
<laughs> so in some ways, they were like my children. Yeah. But, uh, no, not all of them. But my daughter is uh, uses, she uses what I've taught her all the time. Yeah. I mean, she just instinctively does it. She's probably more sensitive than I am. She's really sensitive. So she's just, I think she's just on a path. I'm not sure when she's going to come to what she's going to come to, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty okay with whatever. <laughs> whatever she does. She doesn't have to be like me. It's cool. But um, when I've worked with students, one of the things that comes up usually for people is the level of contraction that most people live in in this culture. People are contracted all the time because they're, they're sort of in this constant sort of vague PTSD stand that is the result of the hyper, um, you know, electromagnetic disturbances. And also we have all the violence on television and the violence in the culture and the, just sort of the, the incredible intensity of that. And people want to know, like, how can I survive? You know, how can I function? So I teach them how to stay expanded in contracting situations. So that's one of the things that we do. And uh, it's not hard to do. You know, you can, uh, we can do it right now. You want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring our hand up here and we're just going to run it down the front of our bodies. What I'm doing is that my, for anybody who's on radio, I'm just going to talk you through it. So my hand is facing the floor and it's in a horizontal position. So I'm bringing it down, down the front of my body, right straight down over the chest, the solar plexus. And what I'm looking for is sort of right around by the belly button. There's kind of a bulge, an energetic bulge. And that's what I call the star point. And the star point is this center of the nervous system of the subtle anatomy. So once you're there, then you want to bounce up and down on it. Just bounce up and down, kind of activate it a little, kind of agitate it even. And then you just say the word expand. Expand. And you can feel your own subtle anatomy expand. So that feeling of expansion starts to take you out of the energetic contraction. So now you do it one more time because you want to do it at least three times. The power of saying this out loud is that your own voice activates and stimulates your subtle anatomy. So come to your belly button area right where your star point is, where you feel the bulgy place, and just say, expand. Expand. And then stop bouncing and let it expand. So now you're feeling like sort of a second expansion. So the structure is saying, ah, I can let go. And actually what's happening is if you don't know your subtle anatomy, if you haven't really met it yet, this is an introduction. Mm -hmm. So you're having this moment of connecting. So go ahead and bring it down one more time. And this time when you're bouncing, say, please, will you expand? Please, will you expand? And so you're going to take your hands away. And then, yeah, lift them up when, when you're expanding. And just like go. feel, visualize that energy that you can feel palpitate. Right. Uh, just like it ripples out. out. It, it ripples out. It's a lot like um, the energy of a ripple in a pond. Okay. You, know? mm-hmm. you figure your star points are a bulb. It's about this big. And when you're bouncing on top of it, that bulb you say expand to and then all of your energy structure will let go and release and just open up. And what it is is the expansion and contraction feature of the 
the template, which is the system of the nervous system of the subtle anatomy. You call this area the star point, and when you do expand this energy around your mid, around the middle of your body, your solar plexus or right. above the belly button, what does that do for someone? How does that, how does that manifest in their feelings, in their thoughts, in their mind, in their body? Well, it makes them feel better. It makes better. them feel happier. It makes them feel more alive. You're listening to Karen accentuating the positive here on the home of conscious music, Soul Traveler Radio. My guest today is Desda Zuckerman, teacher, energy teacher, healer, interfaith minister, all round fabulous gal. And she's showing us a picture of the energy structure in her book, Your Sacred Anatomy. Here's more of our conversation. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, for people who can't see it, in, uh, in Desna's book, you'll have to buy the book, is this incredible, wow, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just light around people with all these different energy fields and, oh, look, it's beautiful. But you can and see the, the star point in the center, which is like a golden ball of yeah. light with all these lines coming through it, and those are like nerve fibers of the nervous system. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about how I've witnessed this energy. I once years ago went to a man who was teaching thousands of people how to invest in real estate. Ooh. He was very successful at the time and I went to one of his courses and as someone who like you sees energies, I was watching what he was doing with his energy and he was really hearing, you know, people's thoughts in the room and he was speaking to their fears and speaking to their desires and he and he had them hooked you know and he signed up thousands upon thousands of people to do his courses he went bankrupt but he had this ability that he didn't know about but when he was on stage he was doing a lot of burping and a lot of like indigestion stuff so he wasn't really aware of what he was doing at the time it was really interesting watching him do all this sort of burping and also a lot of healers that working in energy in people's energy fields you know they'll do a lot of burping when I used to massage people when I hit their energy blocks I would sort of burp them out it would hit me in that place right what's going on there for people well, you're you're merging with them electromagnetically mm -hmm. and the electromagnetic field is you know about right here that's the aura, right? Mm -hmm. So the electromagnetic field, when you merge with another person, you'll take on their physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And you also take on their psychological problems, their mm -hmm. emotional blocks, all kinds of stuff. So you take it on, and what you do is you start processing it through your body, mm -hmm. your physical body, your physical body, which is not meant to process anybody else's stuff. Mm. So this was the breakthrough uh, that I had when I, when I went to the edge of the structure because at the edge, people stop burping. They stop doing all those unpleasant things. You also stop merging with people and you stop taking on other people's symptoms, which is really, really good. I mean, basically, that's why I decided to teach healers because I saw them as the canaries in the coal mine. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were dying. People were dying, giving, giving Reiki and dropping dead, you know. 
And so I started teaching people how to actually work with energy as opposed to what to do, because there's plenty of people teaching what to do. So I just focused on how to do it. And so that's what they're doing. They're taking on the electromagnetic energetic. And I even have a whole class that's called um, Prevent Electromagnetic Field Emerging Using Your Subtle Anatomy. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens. And, and, And unfortunately, when we're taking on other people's toxicity, what it means is that, A, we don't live as long, and B, also, we sometimes get sick, you know, like just chronic illness. And then the other thing that happens is that we don't really manifest our own soul's purpose. We, we, get, we send a lot of mixed signals about who and what we are. I, I don't think it's a healthy way to work. And unfortunately, it's, it's a natural thing. People sort of naturally do this. And the reason we naturally do this is because when we focus intently on one other person, the image is this. I'm focusing on the baby. I'm focusing intently on the baby. And as a mother in a cave thousands of years ago, I had to know if my baby had a, a block in their gut or if they, had, if they were hungry or if they were sick in some way, if they had appendicitis, or if they, whatever they had, if they had some disease. I had to know before they were manifesting really serious symptoms so that I could do something about it. And so I think it's a human survival technique that we learned to take on the baby's symptoms so you know what the symptoms are. But in point of fact, when we're working professionally and engaging with a client, it's inappropriate to take on their symptoms. You don't, you don't, they're not your baby. Absolutely. You know? I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you know, when I was first massaging, I started to have this phenomena. And I remember a friend came over and she had this really sore knee and I gave her a massage. And after she left, I had this really sore knee. <laughs> And I thought, oh, yeah. girls, I'm not going to do that again. I don't like that because it was like seriously sore. So I rang her up and I said, like, I know exactly how you feel now. It's like, really? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's so many empaths out there that are doing that and they don't really know what to do. You know, the story of protection was a story that as a young girl, I kept running around to healers and gurus and teachers and I remember Doreen Virtue told me Archangel Michael had to surround myself with blue light and all these healers giving me all this advice about how to protect myself because that story of being battered by other people's energy fields to an empathic young girl was big for me. And really what I found, the protection was not to view any of it as negative like to view it to view life through the eyes of source to see the perfection and all of it not to buy into the poor me story as we were talking about at the beginning of this the poor me story of the of the pain you know to to view their divinity and not their pain you don't take on their pain that's how I came to understand it well, I think that that indeed is true, you know, but unfortunately, sometimes we're confronted with very toxic energies. And as um, a professional, you need to know how to handle that, you know, and if you're just sitting in this place of, I'm going to just see the the divinity in, in the Hanford nuclear power plant, you know, it's a little different than you know, you really should have unhazardous materials gear. You know? <laughs> it should be protected. So, so there's protection and then there's discernment. And I think discernment is the key. 
And what I'm talking about is not protection, it's consciousness. So there's a big difference between, you know, putting on shielding and wearing yeah. the cloak or, you know, yeah. calling on the angels or all this. That's, that's actually old, old paradigm, which God bless them, you know, but it's old paradigm. New paradigm is I'm not scared. I'm not working from fear. I am here and present and I'm conscious of what's going on around me. So I'm going to use my discernment at the best I can. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's where I'm at. It's like, let's, that's what I teach. I teach a discernment. Mm-hmm. So, and people can discern more at the edge because they're less, it's less about them. They're less egoically bound up. When you're bringing things into your electromagnetic field, your ego is all over it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't help it. <laughs> well, it's, it's really, yeah, the journey is, you know, is lightening the load of the ego. It's really lightening that load and, and the journey as any sort of teacher healer becomes a lot easier when you're not combating your own egoic, you know, limiting ideas about yourself and everybody else. I'll tell you what. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, what I'm thinking is I'd love to get you down under. There's so many amazing energy healers down here that would love to hear your work. It'd be lovely. So I'd love to come. Come down under one day, do some courses. We're just about at the end of our time together. What do you see for the future when you look into the future for mankind, how do you see this expanding and, and helping and this work that you're a part of? Well, what I see is that we've either got to wake up or we're not going to make it. So we've got to wake up. And, that's, and it's a critical thing. It's critical path that we wake up. It's, it's profoundly important. And you can't get too attached to any of it. But it is important from where I sit, for my family and my friends and people I care about, I encourage them to wake up, to awaken. So what does that mean? What does it mean to wake up? Yeah. From where I sit and what I do, what it means is to be aware that that you're more than you think you are, Mm -hmm. that you're impacting the world dramatically just by sitting in your room, that in fact, how you think, what you feel, And the way that you feel about humanity, how you connect with your brothers and sisters, matters. Matter. M-A-T-T-E-R. It matters. And what happens is that we we are creating the potential for the future right now. And we have the opportunity to either come at it from, you know, sort of like nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes, let's get down, let's nitty-gritty, let's make it happen. Or we can come at it from this sort of airy-fairy place of, well, I'm just going to pray about it and I'm just going to try to like read some tarot cards up here. And truthfully, that's not going to get you there. We're get, we've got to have samurais on the ground doing this work. <laughs> and they got to be people that are strong physically, that are strong psychologically, that are strong spiritually and mentally. And they've, they've got to be strong emotionally too. So they've got to come at life from the strength of their own character, their own truth. And this is the thing that's called awakening. When you awaken into your own essence and your own self, your own character, your own truth, your own nature starts to shine forth. And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of amazing people on this planet. And we can turn this thing around, but we've all got to show up. We can't phone it in anymore. We can't do the 1980s again. 
We can't phone it in. I love it. We can't phone it in. We've got to be on the ground, in person, and present. So, you know, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything that brings that message forward. And uh, that's what I've devoted my life to. So www.yoursacredanatomy.com is me. <laughs> and, uh, I'd love to hear from people from the Australia out back and from New Zealand. And it would just be so fun to make some friends down there. Yeah. I know I've made one today. Yeah, you've made one today. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we need your strength. We need your courage and we need your love. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Oh. What a beautiful message. Absolutely. We need you. Yeah, we need oh. you to be all that you know you can be. And anyone that's listening to this and anyone that's looking at this, and if you're listening to what's happening right now, that's you we're talking about. We, you're amazing. <laughs> you're amazing. And you're here to affect change and to be all you know you can be. Yeah. That's right. Sure. So make it uh, happen. So make it happen. <laughs> so you've said your website, Desda, what is it? Yoursacredanatomy.com. Right, right. And uh, I can be reached that way. And my book is Your Sacred Anatomy, An Owner's Guide to the Human Energy Structure. That's way more than that. It's actually an owner's guide and a technical manual. So if you're an energy worker, it's, it's kind of your basic beginning point for understanding a really sophisticated energy anatomy that's way more than bodies and chakras. It's like mm-hmm. beyond that way beyond that Mm -hmm. it's the next evolutionary step so come on (laughs) come on come and get look yeah the doctors the scientific community has been studying the physical form for as long as we have had physical form it's time to study the um subtle forms yeah yeah you're right it's time to get intimate with our energy fields yeah Mm mm-hmm Thank you so much for having me, sweetheart. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really just such a blessing and a joy to speak with you today, Desta. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much for joining me for another show accentuating the positive here on the home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support Conscious Music, Consciousness. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and accentuate the positive radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, karenswain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors catch you next time thanks for listening bye for now